Good morning, everyone. So growing up, um, I learned very quickly, I'm not a great joke teller. Um, I can sometimes make people laugh because I'm a silly kind of person and I do weird things, um, and that gets people laughing. But when it comes to telling a joke, I'm not the greatest at a delivery. But guess what I'm going to start off with this morning? A joke, yes. Uh, and this is a joke that actually I heard young in, in my life and have heard it several times since. So you guys have probably heard this joke before. So um, when I give you the look, laugh for me, okay? It'll just, it'll just help me a little bit, all right? So here's, here's the joke. A missionary was walking in Africa when he heard the ominous padding of a lion coming up behind him. There was nowhere to run, so the man immediately fell to his knees and began praying to God. Oh, Lord, he prayed, I know my days are numbered, but if it is within your will, make this lion a good Christian lion. That's not the joke. And immediately, the lion fell down and began to pray. Dear God, Thank you for this food. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I didn't know if there was going to be a laugh or not. I- I'm curious, have any of you heard that joke before? Okay, some of you? All right. Um, it, I, I, it, the first time you hear it, it is pretty funny. I mean, I remember hearing it and laughing the first time. Uh, maybe you're thinking, man, that's just a really morbid joke. I, I don't know. Whatever it is, that joke is very telling of something. The man prayed for the lion to be a good Christian. So God makes the lion a good Christian. And how do we know that the lion is a good Christian? He prays. Prayer is a clear mark of a follower of Christ. If you love Jesus, you talk to him. The youth have heard me use this analogy many times and I'm not the first to use this this kind of analogy, but imagine if I never communicated with my wife, Amanda. What kind of relationship would we have then? I mean, essentially it would be papers that we signed to benefit us once a year when tax season comes. That's it. That's all the relationship would be. Imagine if, if I didn't communicate with my children or my friends I mean, the list goes on. Communication is key when it comes to our relationship with God. So today, as we've been doing for the past three weeks, we're going to continue looking at prayer and how prayer draws us and draws God inward to us to change us. So we're going to look at a specific kind of prayer that that will help us dive into that more, and it's called covenant prayer. For many, this kind of prayer isn't really up on the list of prayers that they, they want to do. Ultimately, because this word covenant is a scary kind of word. With covenant comes commitment. And I know for myself... When I think of commitment, I I sometimes think of running in the opposite direction. Because I like my freedom. I like having my life not planned out for me, but to do what I want. 
Well, this morning we're going to look at two different ways of understanding covenant prayer. I'm talking, we're going to talk about part one and part two. And the one that we're talking about, part one, Mark Yazel, who's one of our elders here, he talked about actually a couple weeks ago when he was talking about his own life of prayer. You see, when he spoke a few weeks back, he talked about a prayer closet. A regular time and a regular place where he went and spent time with God. A commitment to be with him regularly. It was his barn. Now, I just want to make a caveat. This is one of the places I know in my own life that I struggle deeply. Is, 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 is continually hitting that commitment and, and, and fulfilling that with God. So I want you to hear right now. There is a reason God chose me to share this this morning. But also, I've heard it said that failure is not an option. But no, in life, failure is is expected. With God, failure is a reality. And so... The, the rea- what we need to understand is after we have that failure, it's what we do after that that matters. We keep striving. We keep pushing. In Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John heading into the temple in the afternoon to pray. This was a, a, a specific time that, that, that people gathered, that Israel gathered in the temple to pray regularly. We look back in, in the, the book of Daniel, where the prophet Daniel, he was set up and, and, and he was to be thrown in the lion's den. And how did they know how to set him up and, and, and get him to this place where they, they wanted to kill him? Because they knew his prayer habits. Three times a day, he would go to his window and face Jerusalem and pray. Covenant prayer is truly at the heart of what we're doing with this campaign, 752. It's at the heart of of this understanding that we are here together and we're seeking after God together on a regular, consistent basis. Seven days a week, praying for, for opportunities to share life and share Christ. And I'll tell you right now, I have failed at that already but I keep trying and I keep trying five times a week to pray consistently with our families, asking God to be more involved in our lives. And then two times a week with a prayer partner. This one has actually been pretty, pretty significant for me because me and my prayer partner, it's held each, we've held each other accountable and had each other there to, to support each other. But the biggest thing that our desire is in this campaign is is honestly to just watch what God does. Watch how he changes you. Watch how he changes me. Watch how he changes us together. So that's the first part of covenant prayer, finding a consistent time to pray. There's also a second part of this understanding of commitment to God. The second take on covenant prayer I'd like to spend actually a little bit more time on, mainly because it's, if you think I struggle in, in, in the area of, of committing regular time, it's, this is an area where I struggle with probably more than anything. 
and maybe for some of you as well. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 10 through 13, and, and we're going to actually uh, read a verse that is probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible, uh, right there next to John 3.16. So Philippians 4, 10 through 13. So to give some context to this scripture, to give some context to what we're going to be reading, Paul was writing this letter in prison. And uh, he actually wrote four letters in prison. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And these are um, often known as, as the prison epistles. And so he, he wrote these letters, and this is one of the letters that he was writing. And while he was in prison, the reason he's, part of the reason he's writing this church in, in Philippi was because they sent him a gift. And he was responding to, to this gift that, 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 that they had sent him. They sent it to him out, out of concern for him, but also to give him a blessing. So Paul, being Paul, he, he wanted to encourage them, but also remind them of, of some basic truths that are found in Christ. So Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That verse 13, I hear it quoted a lot, especially this time of year, March Madness, with all these basketball players uh, like 16 seeds beating one seeds. Did anybody witness that? That was historic. That was huge. Way to go, UMBC. But I hear that a lot. I, we could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you know, that is great. I, I, do, I love the proclamation of Christ on national TV. That's wonderful. And, and for many of us, I've, I've heard people say, this is my life verse. This is what I live for. And, and that's, this is a beautiful verse to make your life verse. But my hope is that we understand this verse in the context in which it is given. Because so often I hear this verse quoted and, is, and I don't want to be mean and kind of crush your spirits, but sometimes it's quoted out of context. Actually, a lot of times it's quoted out of context. You see, everything hinges on this word, everything. And how we understand this word, everything. Because the truth is, Everything doesn't really mean everything, but it kind of does. So, okay, let me explain. Verse 12, we have to understand that leading into verse 13, there's, there's, there's this verse 12 where he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
So given this lead in from verse 12, plus the content of of all that Paul speaks of in the rest of Philippians, which we'll look at here in a moment, everything to Paul simply is in line with everything God desires of him. So another way to say it is, is this. I can do everything within God's will through Christ who gives me strength. One commentator, he said it this way. The Greek word for all things is not, of course, all things absolutely. It is all things in the actual path of duty and suffering allotted by his master. So so listen to some of these other words in Philippians. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So for me to live is Christ giving me strength through any and every situation. To die is Christ giving me strength in everything. Philippians 3, 10 and 11. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Do you see some of these words that are up here? Resurrection, yes. Suffering, yeah. Death, yeah. But in everything, he is calling us and giving us strength to go forth in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Essentially for Paul, when we read he can do all things through Christ or that he's found the secret of contentness, his secret isn't so much a secret at all for those who have, who have accepted Christ as their Lord. Paul's secret comes in his desire to give his entire self to God. Come what may, whatever comes his way, he knows it will benefit God's kingdom. And ultimately, by benefiting God's kingdom, it will benefit him. Be it having plenty or having little, being hungry or being full, whether suffering or resurrection or death or life, for Paul, Christ owns him. And that is his strength. So when it comes to the second take on covenant prayer and what it means to commit ourselves to God. At some point in our life, we must be willing to pray a covenant with God. And I would say, pray this covenant on a consistent basis, maybe even daily. It's a prayer that is similar to what Paul is speaking for his own life. It's a prayer that, that is saying the phrase similar to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested, before he, he went to trial and was beaten, and, and before he, he died for us on the cross. His prayer was this God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But then he added these words Not my will 
but yours. Covenant prayer is not my will, but yours, Jesus. I love the beach. It's a great segue, I know. I do. I love the beach. I've loved it for as long as I can remember because my family went there pretty much every year. That was, that was our escape. My dad's a pastor and, and for ministry, that was his escape. And, and so I love everything about it minus the sand getting in places that are a little uncomfortable. Other than that, I love everything about the beach. But as a child, and even to this day, I will never forget the current, the current that, that was in the ocean and I would actually play this game as, as, as a young kid, and I may still do it every once in a while, where I would go out into the ocean about right here, and um, I would try to stand still to see if I could do it, to see if I could do it without the, the waves coming and, and, and sweeping me away or, or the current moving me to a, to a place where I, I just couldn't stand anymore and, and it would sweep me off my feet. The reality is I've yet to stand still. The current is always too powerful. It is always too strong. The waves are always crashing too hard for me to stand still. And then I don't know if any of you have ever been to the beach. I hope you have. If you haven't, you should try it sometime. It's great. But if you try swimming against the current, you literally just stay right there. Or you move just little tiny bits here and there. And so as a kid, when your mom or dad tells you, you know, they're, we're, they're set up out on the beach here and you're playing out here, they're like, stay in front of us. Uh, you like spend half your time trying to stay in front of them without being swept down the beach. And, and so, you know, that, that's why I spent most of my time doing and, and playing in, in the ocean. It was tiring. And the older I get, the more tiring it becomes, fighting the current. You see, God's will is so much like a current at the beach. No matter how hard you fight it, it's going to carry you away. And the more you fight against it, the more tiring it becomes. Yet we keep, I should say, I keep trying to fight against it. And more and more and more. And the more tired I become. But you see, I always loved when my dad would come out into the ocean with me. Because that changed things. You see, my dad and I, we were avid body surfers. We'd compete to see who could ride a wave the, the farthest in, into, the, into the beach. But what I loved most about my dad coming out to swim with me was, was not just the company and the fun that we would have, but it was the freedom that came with him being there. No longer did I have to keep checking the shore to see where I was. For my dad and I, we would just let the current sweep us away and keep going further because I was with my father the whole way. I didn't have to worry about where we were on the shore because my dad was with me. And so sometimes 
we would go as far as we possibly could until we were either dead tired or just tired of having fun. You see, covenant prayer is about commitment, yes. But it's about the freedom that comes from the commitment of being with our Father as he sweeps us away in his will. The realization that that in meeting with God on a regular basis is actually meeting with God on a regular basis. How beautiful is that? Are you there? Are you at a place where you are ready to be tossed about by the waves and swept away by the current of God's overwhelming will? Come what may, whether hunger or full, suffering or happiness, death or life, Not my will, but yours. Now, we're going to put a prayer on the screen here. And um, this is a covenant prayer that was written by John Wesley quite some time ago. And I know the words are small, but I wanted you to be able to read everything on there. And I'm sorry if you can't. But here's here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a few moments to just... Read through this prayer. And um, at some point during this time, we're going, to, we're going to dive into this prayer together. We are going to pray it together. Here is my hope. I'm, my hope from the very depths of who I am is that everyone in here will pray this prayer. But... Here's a reality that I understand. Not everyone is here yet. Not everyone is ready for this kind of prayer. And, and that's okay. I have a coworker who's becoming a, a, a good friend who continues to remind me about baby steps. Sometimes we need to take baby steps. This may be a huge leap for you and you are not ready to leap. My hope is that you are ready to leap into the current of of, of God's will to be swept away. Because the truth is when you pray this prayer with honesty, it will change you. But you may not be there. And that's okay. As we've been walking through this time, we want to give you opportunities to pray. So read through it, take a moment, and digest these words, and then we'll move on. So go ahead, take a moment.
an objective that we've had all throughout this series is to make Sunday morning complementary to what we do at home. And, and not just make these, the, these times of gathering, times of just us telling you what to do, but to experience together what it means to pray in, in these specific ways. See, these past four weeks, we've been focusing and, and trying to practice prayers that are intentionally focused on God changing us inwardly. Letting God move inward. And each prayer we've discussed is about taking one step closer to the pinnacle of, of this kind of prayer. Praying for God's will, not our will. Praying for God to own us instead of us trying to own ourselves. You know, Pastor Dan, he began with simple prayer. And simple prayer is just that. It is simple. To the point where there's no frills or, or, or fancy words, but, but simply humble and honest prayers. The key word being honest. Telling God, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. And just, here I am. As the popular hymn declares, just as I am. Or the author and theologian C.S. Lewis, he stated it this way, lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. So let's try. Maybe this is where you are. Let's try that together. We did it several weeks ago. We're just going to do it again. Pray wherever you're at, whatever you're feeling. Maybe you're like, I don't even want to be here. Maybe you're like, God, I'm really tired. Can I go to sleep? Or I don't know. Whatever it is you're feeling right now, tell God. So we're going to take like 15 seconds, all right? Tell God where you're at right now. Lord, hear our prayers, humbly and honestly. Amen. The next week after simple prayer, we talked about this prayer of examine. Um, and, and the pastors, we were away on a retreat, so the elders got to share that week about th this type of prayer. And if we are able to be honest before God, which is what simple prayer is about, being honest— and humbling ourselves and, and knowing our place before God, then the logical next step is to say, as the psalmist says in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. It's allowing God to go in to the depths of our souls. I don't know if you guys realize this, but actually many Sundays we spend time together doing this. I hope you've picked up on it. 
I challenge you, if you, if you haven't seen it, to look for it in the future. We offer a time where we, we pause and allow God to investigate our, our, our hearts, investigate our lives. Where have we sinned that we need to ask for forgiveness? And, and here's the thing. We need to be doing this regularly. And so part of gathering is, is to allow God to investigate our hearts We're going to take some time and do that right now. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer to do that. And, and here's what I would like for you to do with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Um, unless you're going to go to sleep, keep your eyes open. But like head bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to pause. And I want you to think about what was just said and, and maybe say, I want that. Or I don't know if I want that. But begin asking God to come into your heart to, to, to investigate you. So we're going to walk through this prayer slowly. So pray with me. Precious Savior, why do I fear your investigation into my life? You don't search my soul out of anger, but you look at my life with love. Still, I am afraid. I'm afraid of, of what may surface, afraid of what is buried deep inside of who I am. I'm afraid of what you might ask me to do. Even so, God, I invite you to search me to the depths so that I may know myself, but more importantly, that I may know you more deeply and fully. Amen. Pastor Dan, last week, spoke on this thing called formation prayer. It's taking this prayer of examine just the next step further. As we allow God to bring out the unholy in us, it is through formation prayer that we ask God to take that which is unholy and make it holy. It is information prayer where we become the clay in the potter's hands, just like Jeremiah said in 18.6, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand. It is here that we actively pursue Christ and to be like him as we also move aside and allow him to actively change us. It's the prayers in our life where we exclaim, shape me, do what you will with me. Now you are welcome to join with me in this prayer. Um, again, I'm gonna take some time to pause. 
But it's asking God to change us. So it's not that prayer. Sorry, we're not there yet. But I'm going to pray a prayer. And then if you want to be a part of that, you're welcome to. So pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, in my better moments, I want nothing more than to be like you. Then there are the other moments, God. Help me to see how good conforming to your way and your will really is. Lord, as I seek you, may I find you because you've already found me. Amen. You see, these three prayers that, that we just walked through, some of you may be on simple prayer and, and that's where you are. And it's, it's the next step for you, maybe learning to do this prayer of examine and, and you're, you're struggling to get there. And maybe for some of you, it's the prayer of examine. It's, it's you're okay with God finding what's wrong with you, but you're not sure you're ready for him to change that. And so it's, it's a walking through these prayers to develop what God is desiring out of us and ultimately culminating to this last prayer, this idea of covenant prayer. And go ahead and, and put that prayer up there. Because here's the thing, God wants all of you, every bit of you, every single inch of who you are. Just as Paul was teaching the Philippians, it's not a a terrible thing to have God controlling your life and, and moving you because it brings you strength It brings you power, and it brings you contentness. So I'm going to pray this prayer aloud. And you are welcome to pray it aloud with me. You are welcome to pray it silently. Or you're welcome to not pray it at all. The important thing here is, and I... I, I want to be careful how I say this, but just don't make a liar out of yourself. If you're not ready to be there, be honest with God. He already knows. But if you're ready for this, if you want this in your life, you're welcome to pray it along with me, aloud, silently. It's your call. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty 
Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.